before we get into the study, just real quick, uh, a little bit about um, me and my, my family. My wife is here. Um, she, I think she's out back with uh, three children trying to herd them. They're um, five, four, and seven months. So I, I wished her luck before I came in here and uh, came to teach this morning. Um, but we were sent out of a Calvary Chapel in California um, about eight years ago. Uh, we've been in Peru for about eight years. We have three children that were born there. So they are blonde-haired and generally blue-eyed Peruvians. And um, about three years ago, we planted Calvary Trujillo. And Pastor Steve did an excellent job with that pronunciation. So, um, and, and, and really our heart as missionaries was... We had enjoyed Calvary Chapel in the United States. We had enjoyed Bible teaching churches. We had been able to grow and to be set free and to have this life. But there were so many places in the world that just don't even have this opportunity. There's so many places in the world that, that don't have um, access to a church that's going to teach the word of God, that's going to love them, that's going to be healthy. And we just believed and know that Jesus loves this entire world. And that was really what, what launched us into missions with a heart to plant um, healthy Bible-teaching churches in South America and, and then wherever God would lead. So we planted the church about three years ago. Um, it's been an amazing work full of lots of challenges, but a lot of blessing. Um, the church has continued to grow even among this pandemic. Um, it's not a huge church. I don't know. It's maybe 80 or 100 people at this point. And, uh, but one of the, the really cool things is that uh, right as we planted the church in Peru, some of you guys may have heard of the crisis that happened in Venezuela. Uh, basically went to a communist uh, government where there was a shortage of food and money and many millions of Venezuelans had to flee their country. And so we got about 100,000 refugees in our city as we planted the church, um, which was very difficult, but it was also a huge open door. And so as we've ministered in our city, our church is about half Peruvian and half Venezuelan. Um, and then now we have a few missionary Americans mixed in. So we have these different cultures going on. And um, that's led to ministry where, where, you know, feeding people who were in just, you know, living on the streets. Um, today we, we deliver kids' kits to about 70 children who are living in very difficult situations. Um, we begin to develop small groups in different areas. And we're praying for, for those to turn into to church plants. So the church has been an amazing blessing um, and then out of that, really our heart, our, our design for ministry uh, is straight out of the book of Acts, the church of Ephesus. Paul goes, he preaches the gospel in Ephesus, he meets a small group, starts a church, and then he begins to teach daily in the school of Tyrannus. And through that Bible institute... Uh, he reaches the entire region. You see other churches getting planted uh, around there. And that's really what we want to do. We want to minister to our community, uh, which is just amazing with the Peruvians and the Venezuelan refugees. But then we really have a heart to raise up leaders and church planters who are going to go and reproduce the work. And through that, uh, we started Calvary Bible Institute Peru. And uh, today we have uh, 17 full-time students. It's about one-third Peruvian, one-third Venezuelan, and one-third American. It's a biling bilingual program designed to raise up nationals, but also welcome mission-minded Americans who want to come down and take part of the Great Commission. And so that's been an amazing blessing. It's an amazing blessing to work with Calvary Bible Institute. We got uh, at least three other directors here today, which we've never had before, which is awesome. And we're looking forward to the workshop this afternoon if you want to come out and, uh, and look at disciple-making and raising up leaders. So that's what we do, and uh, we're just blessed to be here. Um, love to talk to you at our table, have you sign up for the newsletter, uh, pick up our latest newsletter, and get a little bit more detail on what we're doing. Um, but even though it's been a very, very difficult year for everyone, 
um, God has been very, very faithful. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you guys about today. So if you'll open your Bibles uh, to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, um, we'll get into this. And we're just going to look at four verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. And uh, the title of this message is Triumph in Christ. And, you know, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing this is the first missions conference since COVID. You know, um, we've, we, the world was locked down uh, in different ways, different, you know, extremes, but for over a year now. And I have to say, for me personally, um, it is so nice to be here uh, with everybody and to be gathered because this is not really happening um, to this level where we're from, at least. Um, you know, even just a couple of weeks ago to go to the grocery store, you had to wear two face masks and a plastic shield. And then they take your temperature on your head to buy milk. Um, so to be here is almost surreal, you know, to be in this environment. Um, but, but I know I need it. I really need this. And I, and I think we all do after a very uh, difficult year. So I know that we all have stories to tell. I know there's been difficult situations uh, I know there's been challenges that we never imagined, you know. Um, I know that at times the stress pushed me beyond my, my limit and my breaking point, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Um, so when I come to these conferences, when I come to a missions conference, my heart is always, I just come, I need to hear from God. I need to hear a word from the Lord. And that's really my prayer for all of us today, that we would hear God's voice. And so I want to focus in on the Apostle Paul, what happened at the church in Corinth, and what Paul learned through his experience there. So let's read 14 through 17, and then we'll pray. It says, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. And I, I just especially thank you for this gathering of the saints here in Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. Lord, people have come from all over the world, Lord, from right here in Philadelphia to really the uttermost parts, God. And I don't, I don't know what everyone has gone through this last year. I, there's been amazing stories of, of grace and faithfulness in ministry. There's been uh, huge difficulties, Lord, and stress and pressure. Um, maybe we're feeling even just weak in our hearts. Maybe our courage is failing a little bit as we think about continuing forward or, or going back to our ministries, God. And I just want to pray that you would come in a powerful and in a personal way and speak to our hearts this morning regarding this scripture, that you truly always lead us in triumph, God. When we surrender to you, when we just lay our, our lives down, we lay our fears down, and we lay all of, all of those things down and just decide to humbly surrender to you, God. You always lead us in victory. Sometimes it's hard to want to live that out. 
It's one thing to say it, Lord, but when, this, when, the, when the situations become so difficult, Father, we need to hear from you. And I just pray that you would come and strengthen our hearts and encourage our hearts and speak to us today, Lord. Thank you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a, a little bit of context. I'm sure you, you know this story, you know, uh, well. The author is obviously uh, Paul the Apostle. He's writing to the church in Corinth, the church that he planted. Um, it's probably around 55 or 56 A.D., and he's probably writing this towards the end of his third missionary journey uh, when he would have planted this church um, in the middle of his second missionary journey. And so the connection to, uh, for Paul to this church is that he's the one who planted it. He is really their, their spiritual father, in a sense. And we see that story in Acts 18. And it's important to see some of the context behind what Paul went through in this church in Corinth so that we can really appreciate what he is saying when he says that, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And I, and I want to just real quick read Acts 18, 9 through 11, because it really shows us uh, what was going on in the heart and mind of the Apostle Paul when he was in Corinth. Because sometimes we think of Paul as like this missionary machine, right? I mean, he just didn't have any fear. He just kept plowing forward. He never had any doubts. But that's not really true. Uh, he was a person just like you and I. He had struggles and he had fear just like you and I. You say, no, did Paul really have fear? Well, why don't you take a look with me at Acts 18.9. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. And he said, Do not be afraid. You know, when God says, Do not be afraid, do you know, do you know why he says that? It's because we're afraid. I mean, he was, he, was having, he was dealing with fear as he was in Corinth. And so God comes to him in a personal way, speaks to his heart, speaks to him in a vision, and first thing he says, Do not be afraid. Instead of, instead of being afraid, the command is there. He says, do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. You see, Paul is in the middle of his second missionary journey. What happens to Paul every time he goes to a city? He goes, he finds a synagogue usually or a prayer group. He preaches the gospel. Some people get saved and then everybody else wants to kill him. And that's happened multiple times at this point. He has been stoned to death. He has been, you know, dropped down out of, out of buckets. He has been imprisoned, uh, which was a horrible experience. And, and, and just recently in a second journey in Philippi, uh, the, Thessalo, the, the Jews in Thessalonica had chased him to Berea. I mean, just everywhere this guy goes, he gets persecuted. He gets rejected. He gets beaten. He gets stoned. He gets imprisoned. I mean, just think for a minute of being imprisoned in a foreign country where you have no rights. That's one of the most fearful things ever. At uh, one point, my, my wife and I were, had the opportunity to serve in the Middle East for a time, and we tried to do an outreach in Jordan. And we crossed over from Israel to Jordan, and Jordan said, oh, sorry, you, 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 we're not going to accept you in here. What? I had my wife and my daughter and a group. And so we, we tried to go back. We're going to go back to Israel. We're going to cross into another border and get in. We get to Israel, and they say, oh, you've actually been here quite a while. We're not going to accept you here either. So we can't get into Jordan. We can't get into Israel and the next thing you know, the Secretary of Defense for Israel takes me into a back office at the immigration center and says, give me your phone and your passport. Okay. So I hand him over and she goes, we know you're a terrorist. Where are your other passports? I said, uh, I, don't, I don't have any other passports. But I'm thinking, I, there's nothing I can do about this. This is a horrifying situation. 
And eventually she takes my phone, she checks all my photos, she checks my stories, she calls people. Eventually, a couple hours later, after she interrogated me and another friend, she let us go. But I have to say, you know, we weren't overly excited to try to do another ministry trip in Jordan after that. That's a very scary experience. Now you think about the Apostle Paul. He's been beaten, he's been stoned, he's been thrown in prison, and now he's here in Corinth. And he's beginning to preach. He's gone to the synagogue for a couple times. And God has to come to him in a vision at night. Say, Paul, don't be afraid. Because he was thinking, what's coming tomorrow? What are they going to do to me next? Can I really handle this? Can I really take this again? And the temptation for him, if you read it there, he says, do not be afraid, but speak. Don't keep silent. Paul was thinking, well, I preached a couple weeks here in Corinth. Maybe that's good enough, and I'll just keep my mouth shut and maybe hop on the next boat back to my home church in Antioch. That was the temptation for him. It was a very, very difficult time for him. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of pain. And although he was incredibly committed and such an example, he goes. Paul went through the same things we do. And so I want to see that because he had been persecuted beaten, abandoned, stoned, imprisoned, and now in Corinth he's considering turning back and God says, I am with you. And I think God would say the same thing to us this morning. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what kind of wounds and scars and difficulties, but God would say, I am still with you. In the same way that I was with you when you gave your life to me and you were so full of confidence, I am still with you. And I will be with you until the ends of the age. So don't be afraid. Continue to move forward. This continued pressure, the the accumulation had begun to wear on Paul. And every time he stepped out for God, he got deeply wounded. A few years back, maybe five years ago, uh, we we went through a really difficult season on the field. and we had our first daughter. My wife was pregnant with my son early on in the pregnancy. And we just couldn't wait to get back to the States and get a little break. And uh, we, we have to work with a lawyer to get our, our what's called a permanent residency. It's kind of like a green card, I would say, for the United States so we can live there on a permanent basis. And um, we had paid our lawyer. He said everything was good. And we were just like, okay, we're in the airport. We're ready to leave. We're almost there. We're going to be able to breathe. And we get to the immigration and they say, you haven't paid your, your licensing fees. You haven't, you haven't kept up to date on stuff. What? No, we did. We promised we did. We have the receipts. No, he never did it. The lawyer never did what he said. He said he did it, but he didn't actually do it. He took the money, but he didn't do the paperwork. And they go, well, you can't leave the country. Wait, what? I'm an American citizen. What do you mean I can't leave the country? Well, no, you're a resident here. And because you're out of date, you're not allowed to leave. And my wife just broke down bawling right there in the airport. You know, she's holding our daughter and she's pregnant and she's just, and she's just bawling. And, and I'm talking with them for an hour. Eventually, the only way they would let us leave is if we renounced our residency, which means the whole year-long process, all the money we'd ever spent to become permanent residents, we had to renounce it in order to leave. So we did. We did. We renounced it. We didn't want to lose the plane tickets that were thousands of dollars. And we came back to the States and we just were like in shock. You know, what just happened? Is this the end? Is it over, you know? And we just said, we're going to go back, you know. But, but in that process, it was so difficult to think, 
am I going to continue forward with the Lord? And God had to come to me, and he had to speak to my heart, and he had to tell me, he spoke to me and I, um, out of Haggai, and it's a similar verse that I just, kind of what I'm sharing, but he said, as my spirit remains with you when you came out of Egypt, so it, so, as my spirit was with you when, I, when you came out of Egypt, so it remains with you. Therefore, work. And I just, we just started, I started crying reading that, and we knew that the Lord was telling us to continue. But it was such a difficult time. We had been through so much. We needed to hear from the Lord. And that's what Paul is experiencing right here. He was struggling. He was struggling with wanting to continue, to continue to, to go through of all of the pain that he had gone through. And on top of that, <clears throat> as we continue forward with this church in Corinth, it's going to be a troublesome church, right? We know about the church in Corinth, don't we? You know, it's going to be a very carnal church. It's going to have all sorts of uh, really gross, sinful things happening. And he's going to have to rebuke them. And, you know, it's going to be received by some well, but by others not so well. They're going to criticize him. They're going to question his integrity. They're going to question his authority. Uh, and, and he's going to get to the point in 2 Corinthians 12, 15. He says, I will gladly spend my, myself and all I have for you, even though it seems that the more I love you, the less you love me. So that was Paul's relationship to the church in Corinth. Just to get started, he had to overcome a lot of fear. He had to hear from God. God had to come to him and say, don't be afraid, but speak. Be faithful to the ministry that I have called you to do. And the reason that I, I, you don't need to be afraid is because I am with you. Just as he promised in the beginning, he will continue to be faithful to that promise. He will be with us. But there was a choice. Paul had to make a choice in Corinth, whether he would trust God and obey him and continue in God's calling, continue to walk by faith, continue to put his life at risk and continue to, to put himself at, right in the, the path of harm, you know, or to just say, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. But now, later, as he writes the second letter to the church in Corinth, we get a lot of personal insight to Paul. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, there's a couple of exhortations, but right in the middle of that, we, we get this little piece of what Paul is saying here. And Paul is really going to open up his heart and he's going to say, you know what I have learned through all of this? That I can give thanks to God for everything. Because he always leads us in triumph in Christ. That wasn't, those weren't just words. That was an experiential uh, thing that, that, that Paul had learned specifically at this church in Corinth. Paul had been through very difficult things. And he was going to continue <laughs> to have to do very difficult things. You know, Paul's calling was to be a witness to the Gentiles, to the Jews, to kings, and to rulers. But what that looked like was going to be a lot of suffering, imprisonment. And eventually he's going to lose his life in Rome. You know, in Acts, he, they're trying to get him to not go to Jerusalem. And he says, look, why, you know, Acts chapter 20 with the, the Ephesian elders. Why are you breaking my heart? Because I, all I know is, you know, chains await me in every city, but none of these things move me. I want to be faithful to God's calling upon my life. And so he, he had this experience in Corinth that was so very difficult, where he was struggling with fear, where he had been beaten and imprisoned and all of these things, yet he had obeyed God. 
he had followed Jesus, even though it came at a great cost, even though it was very, very difficult. And he said, now I can say with confidence that God always leads us in triumph in Christ. And I want to paint the picture of what Paul is trying to say here because Paul is a Roman citizen. Now, he's a Jew from Tarsus, but he's also a Roman citizen. And this is at the height of the Roman Empire. And when he talks about this triumph, there's a very clear picture that he is painting for the people who are reading this. And I want to give you guys a little bit of this background. The, uh, the picture is a Roman victory parade. So the idea is borrowed from this ancient Roman triumph where everybody in, in that world and that day would have understood this, this glorious spectacle. And what was it? It was when there had been a great battle or a great war and one of the Roman generals had won the battle. They had won the war and they would come back and they would basically have a massive victory parade. Um, there would be politicians and senators and, and musicians. Uh, there'd be a whole train of people. They would carry the stolen goods. Um, they would have pictures of what the battle had looked like. They even had this big white ox they would sacrifice. Um, if you ever get a chance to go to Rome, you can see some of their victory arches. Uh, one of them is to commemorate the destruction of Jerusalem with the General Titus. And in that arch, there's actually a carving of the soldiers carrying off the items on the temple. We see everything except for the ark. That's actually, that, that, that ark is one of the, one of the ancient, um, I guess you would say, sculptures uh, of how we know what the menorah looks like. But they would carry off all of the stolen goods. And then right in the center of this victory parade and this triumph would be the general, the victorious general. And he would have his army behind him. But they would often have prisoners that were going to be either slaves or going to be executed. And they would chain them to their horses and chariots. And they were part of this procession that would go through all of the city. Commemorating this great victory for this general. And they would line the streets with perfume and with myrrh or with aloe, with, with fragrant flowers. And as the horses and as the people stepped through the street, it created this fragrance. And it was, this, this, it was meant to be this really you know, pleasant fragrance that would stick in the mind of the people, reminding them of this great victory. This is, this is the picture that Paul is painting. He says, Jesus, my great general, the one who has all of the power and all of the authority, he always leads me in triumph. When I'm afraid, when I am unsure, when I feel like I don't have the will to move forward, as I surrender to my Lord, as I humbly submit to his will for my life, he always leads me in triumph. Sometimes there's been great pain, there's been great difficulty, but I have followed my general. I have experienced triumph over and over. In church in Corinth, I experienced it here with you guys. And that's the message for us today, guys. I don't, I don't know, again, I don't know everybody's individual stories. You know, um, in, in Trujillo, we've seen God do great things in the ministry. But someone asked me, how is the ministry going? Well, what side of the story do you want? 
Do you want to hear about the baptisms that we've had and, and the church has doubled and the school has doubled or tripled and we're looking to church and it's great? Or do you want to hear about all of the pain and the suffering and the failures and the bad decisions I've made and, and the times where we thought it might be over? Because it's been both. It's been both things. But we are bond servants and slaves of Christ, are we not? And you know where the picture comes from from Deuteronomy chapter 15, where the Jewish slave had served for the Jewish owner, but it was time to set him free. But that, that, that bond servant, that slave, and for reference, it's Deuteronomy 15, 16, 17, will come and say, yes, I know I can be free now, but you have been so good to me. As my master, you have loved me. You have taken care of me. There is no place better than to be here with you. So I willingly give my life to you. I want to be your servant, your slave forever. And they would take that all and they would put their ear on a post and they would put that nail in the ear. And that represented that they were now the property of their master forever. And that's us. We know what this world has to offer. We see the craziness. We've experienced much of it, but then we've come to know Jesus. And there's no one like him. His love, there, there, there is no love like the love of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only one that can transform a human heart. He is the only one who can save us and set us free and give us life. And when you, you can offer me the whole world, and I say, I've tried that, and I just want to be with Jesus. I want to be wherever he is. And so I will put my ear on the, on the post. In fact, I'm a sinner and I'm prone to wander. And I'm prone to get deceived and tempted and afraid. So just chain me, Jesus, to your horse. Because I know if I'm following you, I will always have the victory. So I want to be a part of your victory parade. You're coming back soon, Jesus. You're going to make everything right. And until you do, just chain me to your horse. Let me be a part of your victory parade. And when we do that, it says that when we sub humbly submit to Jesus and we humbly surrender to his will for our life regardless of the difficulties and the stress and the pressure it says that we always diffuse the fragrance of Christ because the world doesn't understand that they don't understand why we would submit and, and why we would follow Jesus even when it's difficult they don't they don't understand why we can still have joy why there's still love they don't everything's falling apart yes but i have Jesus if I have Jesus, I have everything. And it diffuses this fragrance just like the, these victory, these Roman victory parades would diffuse this fragrance as they crushed the flowers and the perfume as they walked through the city. And as we walk through life, we are meant to diffuse the fragrance of Christ. And that happens when we humbly submit and surrender to his will and we follow him regardless of the difficulty. And you know what I love about this? At the end there, he says, who is sufficient for these things? I am not. We are not sufficient for these things. But we have a general who is more than sufficient. 
and he makes us sufficient. And you know what? I don't have to create ministry. It's not my responsibility if people like the fragrance or not. I just simply have to chain myself to Jesus' chariot and follow him and be on his page. And when I do that, he will diffuse the fragrance of Christ through me. And he'll do the same with you. Verse 17, just to finish this up and make a few applications. It says, For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. As missionaries, we're not out here just trying to make a buck. We're not trying to use God to advance our own lives. We're not, we're not I, I like what the NLT said. You see, we're not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit. You know, we didn't, we didn't become missionaries because we wanted to be rich in this world. We became missionaries because we've never experienced anything like the love of Christ. We've never experienced anything like the truth of God. I remember when I first got saved, it was just like a whole new world. It was like I had lived in a cave my whole life and I was walking out into a sunny meadow Everything was in color and vibrant and there was truth. It wasn't all relative and God loved me and he, he promised he was my father and, and, I, and the love of Christ was poured into my heart and I, I had never known anything like that and he changed me and he changed my mind and I just remember thinking, I don't want to invest in anything else in this world. Just Jesus because he truly is the truth and the way and the life. And so what Paul said is the same thing that we would say, we did this because there's no one like Jesus. And we do this because other people need him. There are so many people in this world who need Jesus. And even after a difficult year, well, even more so, I would say, there's people who need Jesus. So I don't know what your COVID experience was like. You know, maybe the ministry flourished. Maybe you don't have a ministry anymore. Talk to a missionary and old bridge on Wednesday and she was smuggling Bibles into China and, and doing this whole ministry and then it just, the door got closed. She can't go to China. You know, she wants to but she can't. You know, so it's changed everything. You know, maybe just the pressure of life. You know, there's so many things where the pressure is and the stress is just tripled because of COVID-19, because of all the new rules. Um, you know, I already get talked to you about what it takes for us just to go to the grocery store. That adds, an, that adds an extra stress every single day, you know. Um, in the beginning of the pandemic in Peru, uh, children were not allowed outside and neither were pregnant women. So my wife was pregnant and I have two small children. And we didn't have a yard. We have a rooftop but not a yard at that, at that point. And so my wife and children didn't go outside the front door for four months. They didn't get to go outside one time. And we live in a small house inside of a Bible school with 15 crazy people, 15 crazy young people, plus my children. So the fact that she's here insane is a, just a, you know absolute testimony to, to God and to her character, you know? But I don't know, I don't know what you've been through. I know that we've seen God do great things, but we've also experienced great hurt. I know that, that being back here in the States has been a wonderful refreshment, a wonderful blessing. But I would be dishonest to say that there isn't something in my heart saying, I don't know if I, can, if I can go back to that, you know. 
I don't want to go back to that lockdown. I don't want to go back to that mentality, you know. But what I, what I have learned over the years and what I'm still learning is there's nothing better than to trust Jesus and to follow him. At one point during this quarantine, I was just struggling and my wife just, I said, you know, what do we do? And she said, well, we'll do what we've always done. We'll just do whatever Jesus tells us to do. And then she looked at me and she goes, right? I said, yeah, that's right, that's right. God asks us to trust him, to trust how much he loves us, to trust how good he is, to trust that he is sovereign and all-powerful. And we do not know what's coming. We have been through so much. But if we will follow our general Jesus, he will lead us in triumph. You know, one day he's going to come back and he's going to triumphantly fix everything that's wrong on this earth. We're going to have a perfect government. One day, we are going to be with him face to face, and we are going to live in eternity as children of God. Jesus gave us that victory. All who believe in him have been given the right to be called children of God. And then finally, he's going to lead us in victory if we continue to trust him and follow him and serve him on this crazy world. I know it's crazy, but Jesus is still in control. It says, and I have it written down, but I'm, I've lost, oh, right here. He gives us the victory as we follow him and trust him. Just as it says in Galatians 6, 9, do not let us grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You know, we don't, we don't even see everything that God is doing through us and in us as we surrender and submit and follow him but he's diffusing the fragrance of Christ in our lives because we're trusting him. And that's our relationship to Christ. It's all about love and trust. He first loved us, so we love him. And as we get to know him, we trust him and we follow him. And as we do that, he is going to bear fruit. We will reap in due season if we don't grow weary. So the victory is ours. He just calls us to surrender. He calls us to trust him and to lay our lives down and say, yes, Jesus, wherever you go, that's where I want to be. Chain my life to your chariot. Make me yours forever and bind my wandering heart to thee. So maybe you're here and you just feel that the Lord is sensing you. He's calling you. He's, he's prodding you towards missions, but you've had all these questions and these doubts and these uncertainties and maybe Jesus is just coming to you right now and just saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust that if you will follow me, if you will submit to my will for your life, although there may be great pain and difficulty, just like in the life of Paul, I will always lead you in triumph and I will always be with you. Maybe the Lord's just speaking that to your heart this morning. But maybe some of you have been in ministry for a long time. Maybe this last year in mission, the mission field was just unlike anything you've ever experienced. And I've talked to some of you, and I know it's true. You know, I've got, I've got some friends. I didn't know they were going to be here, but they're here. And we were talking, and we were trying to do things, and we just couldn't quite get it together because we didn't know what was going to happen each week. And that gets very, very tiring. And Jesus is just saying, 
I am with. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Just as I was with you when I called you, I am with you today, and I will be with you to the ends of the earth. Continue in the ministry. Continue to follow and serve Jesus. Because when we surrender and submit to him, he always leads us in triumph. You know, one day we're going to be standing face to face with him. And there's going to be nothing better to just hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And he's going to, he's going to be able to show, you didn't even know what I was doing in your life, but as you submitted, as you trusted me, as you, as you decided to follow me based off of love, I was just diffusing that fragrance all through your life. So don't lose heart. Don't grow weary in doing good. Jesus is using it all. And if God was speaking to your heart, you don't have to stand up or raise your hand, but I just want to pray for you that God would give us all the grace that he would touch our hearts and help us to trust him and to chain our hearts to his chariot and to humbly surrender and submit to his will for our lives. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you, Jesus, are our general, our Lord, our Savior. Thank you, God, that you are our Father, Lord. Thank you that we are children of God, and that will never change. Even if we lose all of the ministry, we will be your children, and we will be with you forever, and nothing can touch that. God, and I just want to pray, if there's people here who are sensing a call to missions, Lord, Lord, that they would just know, God, that they can trust you, Lord, that you would help them, Lord. We know that confusion does not come from you, Lord. It comes from below. But that they would be able to just confidently, Lord, trust you and lay their lives down and chain their lives to your chariot and surrender completely, that, that absolute surrender to you and your will for their lives because the time is short and you are coming back soon, Lord. We want to be busy about the things that are eternal, the things that really matter. And I want to pray for the missionaries that are here who have been serving so faithfully, Lord, and have experienced, I'm sure, great triumphs, but also great difficulties, Lord. I know in our family, our, our hearts have been weak at times, Lord. Help us to see you freshly, Jesus. Help us to know that you always lead us in triumph, that we can trust you, Lord even with difficulty, even with pain and hurt and sacrifice, things that we begin to maybe get tired of and not sure if we can continue. God, come to us and speak to us just like you spoke to Paul. Don't be afraid, but speak. Continue forth in your ministry because I am with you and I always will be. God, help us to trust you more. Increase our faith, God. May we humbly submit and surrender to you. And may you, Lord, diffuse the fragrance of your son through our lives here in Philadelphia and all over the world. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. God bless you guys.